Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. This friendly Mother's Day reminder is brought to you by 1-800-Flowers.com. Mother's Day is this Sunday. You don't have time to put this off any longer. Head to 1-800-Flowers.com right now. 1-800-Flowers has amazing deals on last-minute Mother's Day gifts. From bouquets to sweet surprises, mom deserves the best. Order your gift from 1-800-Flowers before time runs out. To order today, go to 1-800-Flowers.com slash ACAST. That's 1-800-Flowers.com slash ACAST. Hey, book lovers. Want to hear a story? Welcome back to Storytime with M. This is a bonus episode from M's Books and Cats podcast. And I am sharing my books a chapter or sometimes two a week. And right now we are on chapter 16 of Feelers. Enjoy. When the fog cleared, I looked around. We were in the same room as before. Mills and the girl laughed at my disappointment. Teleportation is still a myth in science fiction books, I'm afraid, Mills said, lighting a slender silver tube and taking a long pull. What? She choked on a laugh as she exhaled a voluminous cloud and her face turned bright red. I forget that you're new. It's nothing. Something from long ago that isn't allowed to exist anymore. Though some do, she added thoughtfully. She exhaled another cloud, slightly smaller than the first, and smiled at me. What I'm trying to say is that we're walking. This is the dangerous part. We need to get across the city and enter the northern forest. The old forest? The words formed an uncomfortable lump in my throat. The oldest, Mills agreed. Not the friendliest place. I'm sure you've heard the stories. I had. The old forest was the stuff of nightmares to the children of the city. The young ones, anyway. The ones still allowed to feel. Fear was what they wanted us to feel most. Stories of monsters and the gnarled, angry spirits of the trees were the most common tales. They kept us away from the old forest, which was off-limits to everyone. Not the city officials. Not the city's most prized doctors. No one was allowed to set foot inside the forest and no one wanted to. Yet that was where this strange woman was taking me. I closed my eyes. At first I just saw the deep red of my eyelids. I waited. I don't know what I was waiting for. Mills and the girl remained quiet. I knew they were watching me. I could feel their patient, steady gazes. There was a sudden jolt of energy. It shot through me and sent streaks of white lightning across my eyelids. Once again, I heard the girl gasp. Mills quickly silenced her. Another jolt followed, and another, and another, each a different, vibrant hue. Each left me feeling lighter, stronger, and powerful. I opened my eyes as a new woman, grown, confident, taking back what was rightfully mine. I am different. For once the thought didn't come with burning shame— The fire that was now inside me was made of something stronger. Something magical. 
I looked at Mills and I knew her. Maybe not entirely, but I could see most of her path spread before me, in colorful patterns of light and feelings. I saw her childhood similar to mine, but much earlier, in a time when Hiptiz was still experimental and fear was rampant in the city. Mills was a strange girl, and her mother was overcome with loathing for the small child. I saw the blues and purples of her sadness. I felt her pain, and I cried with her. I felt the bright red shock of fear and anger as her father lifted her into the air and carried her from the house, the same house where we met so many years later. Her mother watched from the open doorway and clutched a string of wooden beads around her neck. Her eyes were dry and dark. Waves of hatred and fear flowed from her in a dark gray river that followed Little Mills and her father through the city. Her father held her close. He walked enveloped in a churning cloud of fear, but there was a hint of something else, a light pink tinge to the edges of the cloud, which stemmed from a tiny bright pink spot over his heart. Mills was washed in it and cuddled comfortably against his chest. The sound of his heartbeat lulled her into a sleepy, warm state. Trust. The word crushes me, because I already know what comes next. Her father carries her to the forest, the northern forest, the land of terror. His fear has become heavy and thick around them, and Mills feels his as well as her own. I can feel them both. Their fear becomes mine. My heart is racing. He places her at the edge of the forest with trembling hands. Mills looks at him in terror and confusion. No. Her small voice cuts through him. He grimaces in pain. Go. It takes everything for him to say it. I can see the battle of fear and love inside him. I hope little Mills could see it, too. If she does, she doesn't care about his struggle. Tears fill her eyes and betray her. She can't control her emotions. She feels too much. She knows too much. He takes a step back and stumbles. Understanding settles over the little girl. I watch her heart break. Go on now. His voice is harsh with suppressed emotion. Go on. I lock eyes with grown Mills. Lorna, I say, and the old woman's face crumpled. I wrap my arms around her while she sobs. The girl watches us with wide eyes. What's wrong with her? I shake my head. Lorna's feelings and mine swirl together, and I have to stay focused to keep from being blown away. Slowly, very slowly, her sobbing eases. She stops shaking. Our energies return to ourselves and everything calms down. She steps back and places her hands on my shoulders. Her fingers dig into my flesh. Her eyes are bright and still a little wild. You're something special. I knew it. I knew you'd understand. I smiled awkwardly and clasped my hands in front of me. Special. That word again. I could feel the discomfort churning inside me. Lorna stepped back and wiped her eyes. I'm sorry. I know this is a lot to take in. I didn't expect to be so emotional. It's been a long, lonely life. To find another, like me, it's almost unbelievable. I opened my mouth to speak, but I didn't know what to say. 
A moment later, an explosion rocked the building. Mills and the girl dropped to the floor while I remained frozen where I stood. Get down! Mills jumped up and tackled me to the ground with surprising speed. Another explosion. Closer this time. It shook the room and the glass in the windows shattered. The young girl crawled toward the door on her elbows. Her hood had fallen back, revealing long red curls that glowed like fire. She gave off a faint light that we followed through the tangle of hallways. Mills stayed close behind me, and when I turned back to check on her, she hissed unintelligibly and motioned for me to keep going. The halls were dark and littered with rubble. The walls had collapsed in some places, and the gray light spilled in from outside. Those were the most dangerous places. I felt more comfortable hidden in the shadows. We crawled on our bellies through the broken bits of wood and plaster, keeping hidden behind larger chunks of debris. We had almost made it across. We're almost back to the safety of the darkness beyond. When another explosion rocked the building, and the concussion sent us all flying. I landed hard and my breath left me all at once. A sharp ringing wove its way through the rapid beating of my heart. I couldn't hear anything else. I struggled to breathe, and after a few panicked moments, the sweet, sweet air returned to my lungs. My heart rate slowed, and my hearing returned. My body was bruised but not broken. I crawled painfully to the shadows and curled up behind a large piece of wall that had fallen into the hallway. I couldn't see Mills or the young girl, but I sensed that they were both still alive. The next sound sent a cold wave of fear through me. Boots on the stairs. Lots of them. Running toward us. I retreated as far as possible into the shadows. My back pressed up against the wall behind me, and I pressed harder, as if I could become part of the wall itself. Government agents poured down the hallway, each dressed in expensive black protective gear and carrying a large black weapon. My heart raced and a cold sweat covered my body. I had seen these men once before. I was very young. A friend of my father's came to visit the apartment, and my parents were as excited as the hiptiz would allow them to be. The man wore all black, the same hard armor that these men wore, and he was flanked by other men who were dressed the same. He sat down on the stiff, unforgiving sofa and removed his weapon from his belt. I remember the heavy thud it made as he placed it on the table in front of him. I remember how my father's pale face turned a sickly, greenish color. There was a conversation. I was too little to understand the words, but the tone was less than friendly. The man kept looking at me. I pretended to be absorbed in a stain on the floor in front of me, but I could feel his gaze. I could feel his hate and his curiosity. I didn't know what it was back then, but I saw the colors. I was certain he knew I could see them. I felt his interest in me peak, but I remained focused on the stain. I knew to keep the colors a secret even then. He was here, now. I could feel him. His anger was greater, and he was eager and excited. All of the agents were. The cloud that swirled around them was black fire and crackling golden electricity. Their target was found. Time for the fun part. I made myself as small as I could and waited. I tried not to breathe as I heard them tossing aside debris and calling to one another. They were spreading out, and I could feel one energy moving closer and closer to my hiding spot. I was trapped. 
Panic tugged at my heart, but I willed myself to be calm, to die with dignity. Got one. The energy turned toward the voice and moved away. I sighed inwardly and strained to hear what came next. There was a scuffle and a scream. Under the noise, I heard something else. A hum. It was faint, but building. The sound was focused on one spot. Either Mills or the young girl was harnessing a lot of power, and I knew immediately what would come next. The hall erupted in bright red flames. The agents screamed as the fire rained down and entwined with the fibers of their tactical gear, creating suits of flame and melted plastic that adhered to their bodies. I peered out from my hiding place and watched as the agents tore off their helmets and ripped at the burning suits. It was too late. They were one with their armor now, and would be so forever. A hand clamped down on my shoulder and I stifled a cry. Mills had a halo of charred hair left on her burned head, and a large cut on her forehead dripped blood into her eyes. She turned without a word and ran down the hall. I sprinted after her. The young girl appeared at my side, glowing and fresh as ever. Her pale skin was somehow unmarred by the destruction around us. Her eyes glittered with joy and malice, but I didn't have time to think about it. Mills was leaving us behind, and I could not get lost in this maze of hallways and doors. The girl took my hand and we ran faster, gliding down the hallway like leaves blown by a strong autumn breeze. Mills was out of sight, but the girl guided me. We flew downstairs and finally burst through a door to the outside, and directly into the arms of Cal and Neil. And that is the end of Chapter 16, Book Lovers. I hope you're enjoying Feelers. Make sure to check out the full episodes of M's Books and Cats podcast every Thursday. And also get some self-care on Saturdays with a quick bonus episode about nonfiction books, usually about self-help and mental health. And of course, we'll be back next week with Chapter 17 of Feelers. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, keep reading.